How about you just turn to the person beside you and just give them a quick welcome this morning. God loves that person sitting beside you. He, He loves them and he wants us to love one another. Thank you, Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. It's so good to be in church together. Um, so good to see all of you. Great to see everyone. Um, actually, it's, it's really good to be able to stand up. Sometimes I want to sit up the back so I can see who's here and go, oh, they're here today. They're here today. Oh, actually, oh, that's all right. Thanks, I'll, I'll skip that one today, yeah. <laughs> How about we pray? Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you so much for your love for us, God. Lord God, we thank you that you have chosen us, that you have called us, that you know every one of us by name, God. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you have called us to be a part of your church, that God, you've brought us together, that you're, Lord, you've made us a family. God, I just pray today that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would help us to be the church that you've created us to be, Lord. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'd help each one of us to be the members of your body that you have created us to be, Lord. God, I thank you for the intricate way you've made each one of us, Lord, the skills, the gifts, the senses of humor, the differences in each one of us, Lord. I just thank you, God, for just encouraging each one of us to be the person, the member of your body that you've made us to be this morning, Lord God. God, we just thank you that we have the hope of the world. We have the gospel message, that we have the power of God to save, that we have salvation through Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would empower us, that you would so stir us to be the church that you desire us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's, it's so good to see each one of you here this morning. I just want to first of all say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of, of God's body here at CFC. I just want to say thank you for being here. Did you know by your presence, you are an encouragement to those around you? By, by, by coming together, you bring glory to God. By, by, by just coming together, you, you, you honour God, you honour what Jesus has done, and people go, wow, there's, there's cars in that car park. There's people there that are worshipping Jesus. By your presence, you give praise to God. And I, I pray that as we come, we're, we're here to be an encouragement to someone else. Um, I, I encourage you to pray about who you can be an encouragement to this morning. I'm just going to sidetrack for a moment. Um, it's over 10 years since I would say I, I, I called myself a cyclist. And there's me as a cyclist 10 years ago. In, in case you're wondering, that's me at, at the front. Um, <laughs> uh, I had to find... Uh, actually, this is, this is my bragging moment. This is on, on SBS TV. And anyway, we'll, we'll get rid of that. Um, <laughs> but 10 years ago, I called myself a cyclist. Um, I, I trained 500 k's a week. I, I, I called myself a cyclist. But there was three or four years where I hardly touched a bike. I had prayed, God, if this is your desire, let that desire in me grow. And he took it away, and I had no desire to ride a bike. And I hardly touched it. It was covered in dust. It was disgusting. Um, Anyway, you know what happened through that time? 
I, I didn't go bike riding, I wasn't part of the club, but the club step still kept meeting. Week by week, they had races, they had rides, and I got the emails still, I heard what was going on, I'd see people from time to time, and it's like, hey, you should come out, There's, we've got lots of riders lately, you should come for a ride. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then one day I sort of thought, you know what, there's a, there's a, there's a syndrome of, called um, post-cyclist fatness. And I discovered that you can't not exercise forever and stay healthy. So I got back on the bike. And, and I saw one of those emails and I thought, right, I'm going I'm to join the club again. And I joined in. I want to say this morning that where there's something happening, people can join in. If there was no club, I wouldn't have joined in. Where there's something happening, people can join in. I think back to the day of Pentecost when the disciples are meeting in the upper room. I wonder what would have happened if they hadn't obeyed Jesus' command to, to stay together in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them. I wonder if they had been scattered among their homes, all just in ones and twos, and the Holy Spirit came down upon them. They're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, with, uh, like flames from heaven settling on their heads. I wonder what would have happened if they had been scattered around the, the, the nations even. I wonder what would have happened if those 3,000 people would have been saved or it would have been just one or two here, one or two there, one or two here and they might have told one or two people around them, the, the people around them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they would have been empowered. But how would that have changed the, the beginning of the church if they hadn't been together, if they hadn't been that meeting together that then the 3,000 heard and saw what happened and were saved on that day? Where there's something happening, people can join in. You know, about 18 years ago, 18? That seems too many. Did I do the math right? Anyway, about 18 years ago, there was something happening at this church. It looked different. There was a wall here, and the other wall was there, and there was a band here, and there was, there was people dressed up as all sorts of things. And it was the first time I ever walked in the doors of this church, and I looked like that. Um, um, that's enough of that one, too. Um, but where there's something happening, people can join in. Whether something happening, people can, can be invited to it. Whether something happening, people can come and, and, and join in what's going on and hear about what's happening amongst those people. And this morning, we're going to begin a new series talking about why church. That's not why church. Why church? And in fact, Dee sort of started the series last week with a great message on being sandpapered. I'm so glad you came back to be sandpapered some more. God help us be sandpapered. I listened to it on the plane on the way home last week. Why church? You know, Jesus' plan is that we would come to the cross. We're all sinners, that we would be saved, that we would be empowered by Jesus, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would go out and see the birds going out, that filled with the Spirit, washed clean by the blood, that we would go out as his church. We're going to begin to ask that question, why church? I think the first thing we've got to ask ourselves when we say, why church? Well, what is the church? There's so many different churches. This is the church I was in in Adelaide last week. There's about 800 people in the church there. Um, it was big, but I'll tell you what, I, lo I love being at home, church here with my, my church. <laughs> Not my church, but our church, I should say. Um, I, just, I just love being here, hearing you guys sing and singing together. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were in Albury in the church there. Um, there's this crazy bunch of guys at church <laughs> blowing bubbles. There's these guys in Mount, Mount Zion in, in the Philippines doing church together. There's these guys in Mount Mayon in the Philippines doing church together. These guys in um, Vanamo 
doing church together. There's so many different pictures of church, but what is the biblical church? What does the New Testament church look like? Jesus said in Matthew 16, Upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus is the one who builds his church. Jesus is the one who founded his church. Jesus is the one that began his ecclesia, which that word church really is. It's, it's the gathering. And when Jesus said, I will build my church, it wasn't an unfamiliar term to say, I'm going to start this new thing called church. He says, this, I'm going to start my gathering upon this revelation of faith of who I am. It's like Jesus said, I'm going to start my gathering founded on faith. There was lots of different gatherings. There was lots of churches, lots of gatherings for different reasons and in different names. But Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, my people, my gathering. Those that gather in my name, I'm going to build on faith. In Ephesians we read about the body, the bride, the family, the temple, the army of God as, a, as descriptions of what the church is like. We might look at some more of them in the coming weeks. I want to give you this summary of what the church is. The church is the body of Christ made up of sinful people who now know that Jesus' sacrifice made us righteous, who now live to honour God, serving one another and seeking to be more like Jesus and share his love with the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. I like that definition. That's my definition. If you don't like it, come and talk to me. (laughs) Why church? Just imagine for a moment, just let the TV of your imagination be, be filled with these pictures. Just imagine a group of people who fully trust in Jesus, fully trust in Jesus. There's no hope in any other thing but Jesus. People so committed for a cause that nothing would cause them to stop caring for one another, serving and loving one another. Imagine a group of people who have made a lifelong commitment to meet together, to worship Jesus no matter what, and to tell others about God's love for them. I believe that is the church that Jesus came to establish on the earth. That is the church that Jesus wants us to be. We've been encouraged already that the days are numbered, that we've got to be that church that God's called us to be. Let's not grow cold. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that, where people love and serve one another, where there's no selfish motives or desires, but it's all there for God's glory, to worship Him, to lift Him up, to encourage one another, to spur each other on. The only challenge is it's made up of people that are recovering sinners like me. And if there's a perfect church and you find it, if I can say this, don't join it because you'll ruin it because you're a sinner like me. The Bible says we have all sinned, but the amazing, amazing reality we have in Jesus is that he gives us his righteousness, and that's not just forgiveness, but it's the power of God to live a righteous life. We don't have to walk in darkness anymore. He gives us the power to live a righteous life. Let's not even look to those old things, those old temptations, those old things. Let's not even look at that path anymore. Timothy says, run from temptation. Run after God, turn around. That's what repentance is, to, to change direction. So not to go after those things anymore, but to live a new and righteous life. We've been warned in 2 Timothy 4. I'm not going to read it all, but in the last days, many will reject the truth. They won't listen to wholesome teaching. They'll go around looking for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears long to hear. 
And then in verse 5 he says, But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Can you say that? Can you point to yourself and say, what God has given to me? Can you, can you do that point? Fully carry out the ministry God has given me. That is God's plan. I see a clear distinction between verse 3 and 4 and verse 5. It talks about those who are, have itching ears, wanting, that are searching to hear what they want to hear. It's all about gaining what they want. It's about their pleasure, what they want. But then you've got verse 5, he said it, it should be about God's purposes. It should be about us seeking God's pleasure, not our pleasure. It's about living for His purpose and not for our pleasure, our, what we desire, but living for His glory. Matthew 24 says, At that time, many will turn from, away from the faith, in the last days it's talking about, and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I want to be a person who stays true to the end. I do not want to diverge one degree from what God has called me to. I don't want to be a, a, a part of a church that goes down the wrong path. I want to be a biblical church that, that stays true to the message. It says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations. You know, this, king, this gospel isn't just about believing. This gospel is about lordship, about who is lord of your life. If we're going to be joined to the, the, to the church, to Jesus, it's to be joined to his body also. You know, we're saved by faith and we, we, we are joined to his body by faith. But if we don't meet together, if we don't be the church joining together, we're holding on by a thread. I, I truly believe that. If we don't meet together, we're like a, a, a finger that's been chopped. It might be still hanging on. It might technically be part of his body, but it is not in a healthy place. <laughs> Let it be a graphic picture that stays in our mind, Lord. You know, God hasn't left us to be guessing what the biblical church should be like. Uh, Luke has given us a brilliant picture of what the early Christian church was like. And let's read it together in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. This is on the, uh, on the day of Pentecost, after the 3,000 have been saved. It says in verse 42, They've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the one, many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." It says they devoted themselves. They, they continued continually, steadfastly, courageously, with perseverance. That's the fullness of that word, devoted. It was total commitment to the apostles' teaching. 
which was basically through the gospel message. They, were, they, they would have been gathering, I just imagine those days and weeks after the day of Pentecost, the, the disciples, the apostles are sitting there with them saying, look guys, this is what it was saying. This is what God was telling us in the Old Testament when we read this. This is how it was pointing to Jesus. And they would have been declaring the gospel over and over again, pointing out that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's be people that are devoted to the gospel. We have God's word. Let's be devoted to his word, that we read it day by day, that we give ourselves every day to studying God's word. Because I don't want to grow cold. I don't want to get deviated off to the left or the right. I love that we're a part of a movement, that the number one core value of the CRC is the Word of God. That we might come up with all kinds of ridiculous ideas, but we've got to come back to the Word of God and say, is this what God intended? Is this what God's Word says? Is this, is this the truth? It says they devoted themselves to, to fellowship. And now I think we say the word fellowship and instantly you all think of having lunch together. But fellowship is so much more than what we, we use the word fellowship as. That, that actual word koinonia. It doesn't talk about spending time together. It's talking about total commitment to one another. It's about partnership. It's, it's about saying, if the ship sails, I'm on it because we're in fellowship. And if you imagine going on a ship together, you're like, you're not on a plane that takes a day. You can handle a day together. But a ship, you might be sailing for 12 months. You might be sailing for 12 years. If, if you join that ship, you get to know each other really well. All the beautiful characteristics and all those not-so-beautiful characteristics of each person on the ship. Because you're on that ship and you're committed to the ship and you're going to go everywhere that ship goes because you're in fellowship. You have made a commitment to, to walk together, to row together, maybe I should say, to sail together. Fellowship, it's not just about something you do once a week. It's, a, it's about a, a commitment to each other. They devoted themselves to one another. And he describes what that looks like in the rest of the passage. It says they devoted themselves to breaking bread. And that word breaking bread, it, it, it could be determined as, okay, they ate together. But it, it, it's alluding to so much more. That breaking bread was a, a common practice among the people. And, and breaking of bread also symbolizes what Jesus did as he, as he had that First communion meal, you might say. It, it's, it's about coming together and, and making covenant again. It's reminding ourselves of who Jesus is and what he's done. It's about worship, that we come together to honour who God is. And they devoted themselves to breaking bread. And they devoted themselves to prayer. I wonder how much these things describe our lives. And if we were to give ourselves out of five, how do I go at devoting myself to the Word of God? How do I go at devoting myself to fellowship, to supporting and committing myself to God's church? How do I go at devoting myself to breaking bread, to worshipping with my fellow believers? How do I go at prayer? How's my prayer life? And you know what? I find another challenge to think out of five, how would I rank myself? Oh, God, I want to grow. I want to be a growing believer. And I, want to, I want to encourage you to think about that list and think, okay, God, where can I seek to grow? Even this week, which, which area, God, is it that you're calling me to say, I want to be a devoted follower. I want to be a, a, 
a New Testament Christian that, that's a, a biblical church member. Where do you want to grow? Ephesians chapter 4 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because you're on the ship together. Just kidding. Because you're of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Let's make every effort. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. We're asking the question this morning, why church? And the greatest answer has to be because, because Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy of us making the effort to be committed to his church. Jesus is worthy of our praise that we come together to, to glorify him. He has blessed us, it says in verse 3. He chose us, it says in verse 4. He, had, he decided to adopt us, verse 5. He purchased our freedom, verse 7. And it's because we are united with Christ that we can receive any inheritance. Without Christ, we were lost sinners without hope. We deserved judgment, but Jesus came and paid the price for our sin. Jesus is worthy of us gathering in his name. Why, church? Because Jesus is worthy. It's got nothing to do with me. It's because Jesus is worthy. If Jesus is Lord, the only fitting response is that we live a life of worship to him. And worship means to live a life of submission to his lordship. It's about obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me, Jesus said. It's not just about singing, although singing is a great way to worship. It's a great thing to come together in song to declare truths about who Jesus is, to remind ourselves and declare and thank God for who he is. Psalm 147 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, how good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. 
Verse 7 says, Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God with a harp or a guitar or a drum or a piano or just with voices. It doesn't say those last bits, sorry. Sometimes we hear people saying, Are you going to church this weekend? And that's a valid question. Are you going to church? But it's not because church is a place. Church is not a place. And in some ways I'd like to change our name. Well, we did. We used to be the Christian Family Centre, but we wanted to be a church, so we changed it to Christian Family Church, just so people didn't get confused about who we were. But really, a place isn't a church. So when we say, are you going to church? I think what we're really saying, are, we, are you choosing to meet together to glorify God, to worship Him, to remind each other, to encourage each other about who Jesus is? Are you going to church? In other words, verb church, are you going to church? Are you going to do church? Are you going to be church? Are you going to church this weekend? Maybe you can ask someone else that this week. I think church is a verb, not just a noun. Finally, I don't think it would be right to begin this series without talking about the fact that Jesus has instituted the church as the hope of all the world. Why church? Because it's the hope of all the world. The church is God's plan A to spread the gospel. The church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. You and I have been appointed and, and appointed for such a time as this to be his hands and feet, to be his witnesses, to be his ambassadors. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> you and I are his plan and there is no other plan for this city than his church. We are the, the messengers of the gospel. Matthew chapter 5 says, You are the light of the world. Oops. You are the light of the world. Sorry, that's probably way too small. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. God wants us to come to the cross to be changed, to be completely washed clean by the blood of Jesus, and that we would go out like washed clean, filled with the Holy Spirit, doves. I love those birds. I like the one over there best. Anyway, that we would go out as his representatives, that people would glorify God because of us. We're asking the question, why church? Because God has called us to be a part of it. Why church? Because Jesus is worthy of our worship and our praise, is worthy of us coming together to honour him. Why church? Because Jesus' church is the hope of all the world. And there is no plan B. God, help us to strive, to, to work together, to do all we can to be the church that God wants us to be. Let's commit ourselves to the family of God. And can I encourage you over this next coming day, week, probably today or you'll forget tomorrow, go and read that passage again in Acts chapter 2 and think, God, how can I, how can I be a more biblical-centered, biblically-aligned Christian, a, a member of your church. Because you and I are the church. The church isn't some other thing. You are the church. And if it's going to be aligned, you and I have got to be aligned to what God's plan for the church is. I think for nearly all of us, the, the greatest thing we can do to become a, a, a biblical, Christ-centered, Christ-following Christian church member 
is just to stop, to focus on who Jesus is, to focus on what he's done and just worship him. I think if we do that day by day, we will, we will be changed. We will be transformed. We will be growing. If we spend time with Jesus, we become like those we spend time around. I believe one of the core values of this church, since I came to this church, one of the, the passions of this church has been to be genuine worshippers, just to, to sing, to, to give praise to God, to, to honour Him, not just to, to make a performance, but to honour Him with our lives. And I pray that we will be those people.